Good evening and welcome to The Pulse. In part two, we ask what's the best way to define a poverty line and what to do about it once you've defined it. First, though, the question of how much access to nature we have. This is increasingly on some people's minds. The government is now trying to initiate discussion on taking bites out of our country parks for developments. Meanwhile, the much-cherished walk around the peak, enjoyed by thousands every weekend, could soon become an access road for a luxury hotel. This residential building at 27 Lugard Road was built in 1916 and has been categorised as a Grade II historic building by the Antiquities Advisory Board. As one way to preserve it, one developers group has proposed adding two additional villas and turning it into a heritage hotel. Last month, the Town Planning Board approved the application by the group, which is reportedly controlled by Yao Tang Tit, brother of Chief Executive Office Director Edward Yao Tang Wa. Public response was immediate and almost uniformly in opposition. One section of Lugard Road is part of the Hong Kong Trail and attracts thousands of people every day. This is the only road to the Heritage Hotel site. Up to now, only cars with permits have been allowed to use it. The developers say they will only use small cars to carry goods and customers twice an hour. Let's uh, take a look on um, the width of the park. It's 1.8 meters. If there is a car coming, I think the pedestrian has to stand on the curb. And there are many turns on this trail. If there is a car coming, it's very dangerous and the danger is foreseeable. So we must, must stop this development. It's not only traffic that's a concern. There are also worries that the Heritage Hotel will affect the natural environment along the trail. It's suggested that a septic tank be installed. Vivian Leung says the hotel may create 20,000 litres of sewage a day and has the potential to pollute the Pop Fulham Country Park right next to the building. The Alliance for a Beautiful Hong Kong has launched a global signature petition to preserve the area. I live nearby and I walk this two or three times a week. It's very important to me to save it. The traffic can be really bad already. In a public consultation, the Town Planning Board received 158 comments on the proposal. 96% of them opposed it. The Agriculture, Fisheries and Conservation Department did point out that the proposal could increase vehicular traffic on Lugard Road and cause inconvenience to other users. Some have shown that there's barely room for cars to squeeze past road users as it is. But the Transport Department accepted the developer's assurances on traffic control measures. Although the Town Planning Board accepts uh, public comments, when it discusses any project, like the Lookout Road project, um, it only opens up its meeting during the discussion phase. During the deliberation phase, where the Town Planning Board members actually vote to decide on the project, it is entirely closed door. They knew we we're going to have a meeting and a motion to vote 
on this matter. But within six weeks between submission of the proposal and the, and the town planning board meeting, they just make that happen and get it approved. Kisa 他一定要 Thursday, the 10th of October, District Councillor Joseph Chan moved a motion in opposition to hotel development in Lugard Road. 16 district councillors supported the motion, two abstained. Although the Town Planning Board has given a green light to the Heritage Hotel project, councillors hope that the government can strike a better balance between preserving historical buildings and giving Hong Kong citizens access to natural resources. I don't oppose preserving this building uh, with other methods or uh, with other approaches, but we should not sacrifice this even bigger uh, conservation item, which is Lugat Road, our Hong Kong Trail here in Hong Kong. Well, 27 Lugard Road isn't officially within a country park, although it's adjacent to one. But those who do like to take walks and breathe a little fresh air are getting increasingly concerned at plans to take chunks out of our country parks and indeed other green areas. Hong Kong, we are Around 3,000 people openly disagreed with Gordon Wu's comments almost two weeks ago when 20 green groups joined forces for a Save Our Country Parks protest. Lam Chu Ying, the former director of the observatory, said that the Country and Marine Parks Board should see its job as to protect our green spaces. The recent controversy was sparked by a blog by Paul Chan, the Secretary for Development, last month. He wrote that, in the past, the development of country park land was regarded as a topic not for discussion, even taboo. He wondered whether the topic is still untouched or not open for discussion. The government also recently appointed a new chairman and members for the Country and Marine Parks Board. In the Legislative Council on Wednesday, lawmakers asked the Environment Bureau whether it would consider incorporating a further 77 areas or enclaves into the country parks to control property development in remote areas. Hung Yi Kuk took a very different tack.
現持社會有強烈嘅呼聲，要求縮小郊野公園嘅範圍，以發展公營公私營嘅房屋，解決港人居住嘅需要。政府可否告知本會，原來不包括嘅土地劃為郊野公園部分，增加郊野公園嘅土地面積，是否同政府多方設法增加土地嘅供應？以照顧廣大市民自屋嘅需求嘅政策係背道而馳基本上，我哋政府喺個城市發展以至保育方面咧，係內部有個密切嘅溝通。至於今日我諗想特別強調嘅，譬如話一啲譬如西灣依一啲比較係偏遠嘅地方，啊嗰個生態價值以至個景觀方面係有個重要性喺度。所以呢地方咧，基本上係同我哋誒講緊一啲房屋用地咧，嗰個需求咧係冇矛盾嘅，因為嗰啲地方係相當偏遠啊，係冇乜嘢呢方面嘅誒用途嘅壓力。The biggest problem we have with the Hangi Cook is that currently they are getting a lot of village land for for development for small houses in the enclaves in Sai Kung and in Plover Cove and the other country parks. Once they build all these thousands of small houses, that will destroy Saikun Country Park. That will destroy the Plovakov Country Park. And he knows that. And he is defending that right for his kind of uh, constituents, the members of the Hung Yikuk, the, the indigenous villagers, to develop the country park land. And we have to stop that. We'll be back after the break. According to the government's first official poverty standards, almost one-fifth of Hong Kong's population can be considered poor. For the first time, the government has set a poverty line. One way to draw a poverty line is to assess it by the median monthly household income, by household size. Under this method, before accounting for tax and government subsidies, homes with a monthly income below half of the median are considered poor. Some other countries use a higher percentage. This method, known as relative poverty, is just one way of assessing it. The government says it's adopting this approach for easy measurement and due to the limits of the data available. Others argue that other methods provide a more reliable assessment. Mrs. Yu's family is classified as living below the poverty line. Her husband is the only breadwinner, and they struggle to get by without taking social security payments. The limitation of the relative poverty approach is that it doesn't reflect. How much a family needs to enjoy a minimum living standard. Hey, 
咁貴，有冇得平啲啊？我哋招老細嗰個打嚟咪冇最平噶啦，佢寫明三十蚊兩盒就最平噶啦，而家十八蚊一盒，最平噶啦。冇理由我哋買咗平。真係買嗰啲。誒，一般都係食呢啲提子咯，蘋果啊咁咯。即係少食，應該都會唔夠營養，所以啲體質咁差，成日感冒。Academics say this official calculation is somewhat inadequate, and are urging the government to calculate the total cost of an individual's basic needs to assess true poverty. But that requires additional resources and extensive surveys. China and the USA do calculate the costs of basic needs. Other countries in the European Union, including Britain, do draw their poverty line at 60% of the median household income. The government says it may consider looking at other ways to assess poverty. Well, we now have an official poverty line, but is it realistically assessed? And what are we going to do about this very high level of poverty? With us in the studio, the Labour Party's Fernando Zhang and Lord Chi Kuang of the Commission on Poverty. Can I come to you first? Can you just um, give us a picture? I mean, what is the situation of poverty in Hong Kong relative to other countries in Asia and indeed beyond that? Well, if we are talking about uh, relative poverty, particularly uh, which is uh, incomparable to the living standards and uh, the affluency of Hong Kong, then in that sense, Hong Kong is worse off. Uh, well, in fact, it's almost as worse as places like in Africa or in South America. This, in, in simple terms, you're talking about the wealth yes, gap. Yes, yes. Uh, but if you talk about really uh, absolute poverty, then I would say is uh, the number will be pretty small in Hong Kong, and we are doing very well among countries, at least in Asia, because of our efferency. And, uh, but then the, the problem of poverty is really relative, more than absolute in the case of an affluent society, such as that in Hong Kong. Uh, and Fernando Joe, I mean, you know, the, the government says this is intractable. Mm -hmm. It's always going to be with us. Do you, do you accept that that is the case? No, I don't agree. Uh, I, I think it's really a misnomer to think that relative poverty is impossible to be ended. Now here I have a piece of paper that can demonstrate how with the current definition of poverty line, we can in fact eradicate poverty entirely. Now assuming we have five people in Hong Kong, each with his relative income like 20,000, 10,000, 7,000, 200, 3,600 and 500. Now the median income would be 7,200. And that, that is in fact the case. That's in it? fact the case, that's right. And the current definition is half of the median income, which is 3,600. So in this picture, we have one person falling below the poverty line. Now, if through some social measures, we augment the income of this person by $3,100, thereby raising his income to $3,600, no, that doesn't change the poverty line because the median income hasn't changed. So through a measure, we could eliminate poverty altogether. It is as simple as that. So this is really that although this median income is in a sense relative, it is actually the absolute value of the person in the middle. Well, that looks pretty good on paper. But Do you think it's workable? It's theoretical. 
uh, which assume a static society. And uh, if you give that uh, unfortunate guy uh, who is earning only $500 today, $3,100, I, I will expect that guy will start, stop working at all. And then you probably have to give them a little bit more. Now, the, the problem of uh, relative uh, poverty, I would say, is that if we just look at cash transfer, I don't think the people in the community agree. We just distribute money to poor people. Because what we need to help them is just not just cash transfer. There are a lot of other things like education, helping young kids to learn, having equal opportunity of learning, and encouraging people a little to work a little bit more so they can improve their life. So somehow, in terms of policy, we would not simply by use of cash measures to eradicate uh, poverty uh, altogether in terms of relative sense. I mean, well, surely, so it's a, it's a theoretical thing. Well, okay. it's theoretical, but it's also reality. If you look at uh, European Union, you look at UK, Ireland, they have concrete objectives, policy goals that will eliminate or reduce poverty rate by a certain proportion. For example, in 2010, European Union announced that it will cut poverty population by 25%. In Ireland, they do the same. They, uh, by 2000, uh, 2020, they would reduce poverty rate from uh, a two-figure uh, digit to a, a two-digit figure to uh, about 2%. But don't you accept the political reality that there's this very strong resistance in Hong Kong to the development of a so-called dependency culture? Well, I don't think the aim is to deal with poverty purely by giving people cash. I think it is a demonstration of commitment that poverty is something that we don't want. It is something uh, due to institutional injustice. And therefore, as political leaders, we want to eradicate it altogether through all sorts of means. Well, what, what, what Fernando had just said is, uh, like many European countries, is trying to reduce poverty, let's say, by a quarter or by a few percentage, but not totally removing it. Well, well, but that come back to the point. The, uh, I, I guess the issue is that uh, we are not just helping those who are below the poverty line. I, I think that is a very important point we have to aware of. The whole issue of the poverty line is not an eligibility standard. It's a, it's a policy instrument for us to, to look at how adequate is our existing policy in dealing with the poor population, and also how effective are they but then it doesn't really mean that, that we should just look at those below the poverty line and see how, how we can buy cash transfer or other means that to, to lift them. Yes, we have to help them. But it doesn't mean that. We simply have to remove the number. And do you see any quick fixes here? Well, we are actually spending, just in terms of cash, every year, like $28 uh, billion for cash transfer of various kind. And, uh, I guess that we will probably be still doing that. We will be increasing it so that to help a little bit more from those who are below the poverty line. And, and definitely there would be, if we can, improve our existing support for low-income families. I would say that there will be a drop in the uh, poverty rate. There will be a reduction of the poverty gap, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I guess, well, my, my policy position, I would prefer to have clear policy directions clear programs instead of looking at a 
what I consider as an indicator-driven kind of policy uh, change. Uh, because you, you can't put the cart before the horse. Important is think about what are the policy, how much we can do year-on-year-to-year basis and see how we can reduce uh, the, the number of people who are actually poor and particularly those below the poverty line. Well, I'm afraid we're out of time, but thank you both very much indeed. And that's it for this episode of The Pulse. Time for our usual reminder that if you've missed part of it, want to see more or even see it again, you can always go to The Pulse page on the RTHK website and you can download podcasts to watch at any time of the day. Also, if you want to chat to us or tell us what you think, go to our Facebook page, RTHK's The Pulse. We'll see you at the same time next week. Until then, goodbye.